Church, why don't we welcome those who are joining us online or listening on our podcast. I just want to say if you're ever in our area, please feel free to come and join one of our services. We'd love to see you here. And also, if the teachings blessed you in any way, do write and let us know. That would so encourage us. Church, can we just give a big welcome to those who are part of our Connect family online? I did get a letter uh, this uh, week. It was sent. Uh, uh, to me, and uh, what I loved about it was the way it's impacted people's lives. As a church, we want to be able to do that. We want to connect people to God. We want to connect people to Christ and allow God to continue working in people's lives. So I got this letter, and it's about a baking connect group. There's a baking connect group, and they've gone and baked, but their secret uh, thing is they want to evangelize too. They want to share the good news of Jesus with people. And a few weeks ago, they took some baking, some baking, not to my house. They didn't take to my house or nobody else. They took it to Seven Oaks, uh, the elderly care facility uh, in in, um, the Kapiti Coast there. And they took it for the carers, not just all the residents there, but for the people who look after all the residents, who you know, it's been in the news, they work extremely, extremely hard. And they were so blessed that they wrote back. And I thought it, it's funny, because they called them students to the dear, and maybe it's because they're, you know, they're working with the aged or whatever, they couldn't tell how old. Uh, so some of them were quite happy to be called students. It said, dear students from Connect Church, Some weeks ago, you brought into our aged care hospital here at Seven Oaks a wonderful platter of beautiful muffins you had made as a thank you to our care staff for looking after the elderly residents in our hospital. Please know that this wonderful act of random kindness was so very much appreciated by the staff. There were just so many positive and happy comments. They work so hard and give so much of themselves in the caring of people who are nearing the end of their lives that to be acknowledged for the work that they do by others looking in gave them a real buzz. Thank you again for your thoughtfulness. Man, I love having an impact like that. Can we put our hands together for those? If you're in that and you bake one of those muffins, you know that that had a powerful powerful impact. I want to begin by uh, my sermon today by reading a verse from the Gospel of John. It says, from this time, many of his disciples, everybody say many. From this time, many of his, whose disciples, Jesus' disciples, turned back and no longer followed them. It says, many disciples turned back and no longer Followed him. Many, not a few. Many. They turned back. They went back. They gave up. They no longer followed him. They no longer walked with him. Why? Well, it says from this time, so we have to ask, what time? What time is it speaking about? From this time, what time? We can find the answer in the verses before. It was at the time that it says, Jesus had preached a hard teaching. Everybody say hard teaching. He preached a hard teaching. And the disciples, when they heard it, they were like, man, Jesus, this is too hard. We don't know if we can take this. In fact, it says in John 6, verse 60, it says on hearing it, these disciples on hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? And they weren't really saying who can accept it. They were saying, we won't accept it. We won't accept what you're saying here, Jesus. It's too tough. It's too hard. I looked up the word hard 
in the Greek. The New Testament was written in Greek, and the word hard there, I thought, what is the meaning? What's the meaning surrounding that word? And it comes out like this. It means this, harsh, severe, tough, fierce. Jesus preached a fierce word. He preached a severe word, a, a, a tough word, even felt a little bit harsh. It was too hard. And it says they turned back. They turned back and no longer followed. I guess the question I'm asking today is this verse sort of touched my heart is what are our response? What's our response? What's your response to the hard teachings of Jesus? What's your response to the hard teachings, to the, to the severe teachings, to the tough teachings? What is your response to the hard and tough teachings of Jesus? Because here's the thing, John chapter 6 started off so well. It started, if you look at the context of this whole verse, the, it starts off in John chapter 6, and it's, John chapter 6 starts off so well. It was going awesome. In fact, it starts off with the feeding of the 5,000. You know the story. Jesus is gathered there. He's having a powerful ministry time. There's thousands. He's doing mega church. He's got thousands of people gathered. In fact, the Bible tells us it was 5,000 men, which means that not counting the women and the children. So there could have been, who knows, 12,000 people there. And if you know the story, Jesus said to his disciples, will you give them something to eat? And they're like, what? Freak out. How can we feed all these people? There's too many people. And if you know the story, Jesus, what did he did? He went and took a little kid's play lunch. They brought it to him, this little kid's play lunch. He, was, he packed it for kindy and whatever. He's going to go to kindy later. He'd packed it up and, and he gave his lunch to Jesus, some loaves and some fish. And you know, as he gave it to Jesus, Jesus blessed it. And boom, suddenly miracle time. And that little kid's play lunch was able to feed thousands of people. I don't know about you, but that's a pretty cool miracle. It's a pretty cool miracle. That, was, that got the disciples, I'm sure, pretty, pretty excited at what they saw going on. This little kid's play lunch suddenly able to feed 5,000. And of course, there are so many lessons you can get from that. I've preached on that. There's so many sermons that can come on out of it. Sermons like you can take the little that you have but when you, and give it to Jesus. And when you take the little that you have and give it to Jesus and he blesses it, he can expand what you have. Come on, somebody. It's like that question, what's in your hand? Don't worry about what's not in your hand. What's in your hand? Because he can take the little things that you have, just those loaves and those fishes, and he can expand them way beyond what you ever thought of. There's so many good sins. It's John chapter 6 started off so well. Miracles, blessing, people being fed, a massive mega service. Awesome. By the end of the service, of course, and everyone's fed and everyone's pumped. They're coming out of the meeting. It's like the best service ever. They're like pumped, man. They're like, when's the next service? Things are happening, man. Miracles are happening. Things are are going on. Disciples, they were pretty pumped by the end of it. And man, they were excited. And anyway, Jesus has a, a debrief meeting, gathers them and says, hey guys, got some powerful ministry to come up uh, tomorrow on the other side of the lake. So I want you to get in the boat and I want you to sail across the other side of the lake. I'll meet you. I'll catch you there. And so, boom, 
Chapter 6 is awesome. And they're getting in the boat and they're sailing away. And about halfway across the lake, they see this dude walking across the water. Jesus. I mean, talk about that. He'd fed 5,000, done a whole lot of miracles, taken a little play lunch, expanded it. Who knows? Fed how many thousands of people. And now he's walking on water. How many have ever tried to walk on water? You've tried that at the swimming pool. Come on, and just admit it now. Sometime in your life. I'll just ask that again. How many, come on, really have done it? You've tried to walk on water. Yeah. Didn't work, but you tried. But here, here, here he was. He was walking on water. They're like, whoa, Jesus. He jumped in the boat. They sail on. I mean, it's a good miracle service patterning. Day. It's pretty exciting. It's not every day you see someone walking on water. So anyway, they get to the other, they get to the other side. And here's where it goes a little downhill. Here's where it gets a little awkward. Awkward as in it's sort of like that family dinner. You know, you've ever had that family dinner and Uncle Toby shows up and Uncle Toby starts to speak and Uncle Toby says something that's like really inappropriate or really awkward and everybody is going, there's an elephant in the room, awkward. Anyone know Uncle Toby? Come on, you, you, you know who Uncle Toby is. Hopefully you're not sitting next to him right now. But, it's, but you've all had those moments where a family dinner, where, where it suddenly was going so well until he said that. And chapter 6 was going so well until Jesus said this. You see, what happened? Jesus, I mean, he had this fan club. I mean, he had a lot of people who were following around because he was pretty popular. You know, forget believers. He had believers. I mean, he was, they, were, they were following him around. And, and they, were, they, they were like, you know, then I saw his face and I'm a believer. I mean, they, they saw him and they wanted to follow him. Now, of course, the, what happened in the passage, you see, Jesus had walked on water, the disciples had sailed off, and then those who were gathered there suddenly realized Jesus wasn't there anymore. The security had whisked him out of the room, and, uh, uh, and he was, they're like, where's Jesus? Where is he? He's gone. I can't find him. And so then they said, that someone said, well, I think he's gone across the other side of the lake. So everybody's like, come on, get on their donkeys. And they head off to the other side of the lake to catch up with Jesus there. Now, I don't know whether Jesus was thinking, oh, I can get to the other side of the lake, take a break, you know, pull into Acacia Bay right there and just take it easy and, and, and rest and, and relax. I, I don't know if that's what Jesus was thinking. I don't know if Jesus was tired or whatever. Maybe, I mean, it's hard enough walking on land. I don't know. I find it that way. Let alone walking on water. Maybe he was really, really tired by that time. But they all catch up to him and, you know, maybe they all catch up. I mean, they, they were, you know, they loved him and all. They were just like, hey, Jesus, there he is. And, you know, maybe he just didn't want to take another selfie. He just didn't want to say, oh, can we just take a photo with you, Jesus? Ooh. Maybe he just had enough. Maybe the paparazzi and all that were just driving him a, a little bit crazy and so, of course, he, he, maybe he goes to the other side and he's thinking, I'm just going to get a little bit of rest or I, I want to do something else. But the crowd turns up and, and they, they, they start asking, Jesus, Jesus, where'd you go? It's a silly question, really, because he went here. Obviously, they, it's not rocket science. It's like when you lose something saying, oh, it was in the last place I looked because who finds it and keeps on looking for it? I mean, it's just like, uh, okay, that didn't work, that one. <laughs> oh, that makes sense. 
But he, go, but he goes there and, and they're like, Jesus, where'd you go? Where, when did you get here? And Jesus answered like Uncle uh, Toby. And by the way, can I say a big hello to Mark Davies back there from O2 Church in Tauranga. He's just there. You've come back. You can't, just can't leave the sound desk alone, can you, Mark? You just can't. I just need to touch it. And there, he was a sound, looking after our sound for many, many years. And uh, went up with Sam to plant uh, O2 Church, but he's missing us so much. He is back here to check out what God is doing. They're like, where'd you go? Where, where, when did you get here? Jesus, and Jesus answers them. Like I said, I don't know if he was tired or whatever. But he says this in John 6, and this is that Uncle Toby moment. John 6, verse 26, he says, you've come looking for me. You've come looking for me, not because you saw God in my actions. You've come looking for me, not because you can see God at work in my life. You have not come for me because you see that. You have come for me because I fed you. This is what the message version says. You've come to to see me because I fed you, because I filled your stomachs. Awkward. And for free. I fed you, I filled your stomachs, and for free. Elephant in the room. Awkward. Jesus goes on to talk about the fact that he is the bread of life and what Jesus shares in those next few moments blows their mind. Now, I don't want to get into what he said. You and your own time can do the research on that. You can look at and find out what he actually said in those moment because that's not the point of my message. You can research it. The point I want us to understand today is that Jesus sometimes says hard stuff. Jesus sometimes teaches hard stuff. But how do we respond to the hard stuff Jesus says? How do we respond to the hard things Jesus teaches. I love how the message subtitles this portion in John chapter 6. It says, too tough to swallow. What do you do with stuff that Jesus speaks that's tough to swallow? What's your response to it? In the NIV, it says it this way. It subtitles it, many disciples desert Jesus. Many disciples desert Jesus. I mean, you could have thought, I mean, Jesus, you could have done this so much better. You could have really worked this out. You had 5,000. You're losing them by the minute. You had a crowd of 5,000. I mean, it could have started off so well. I mean, the main course, they had fish and dips and bread and stuff while he fed the 5,000. And then instead of saying many disciples desert Jesus, it could have been many disciples ate dessert with Jesus. Come on. They did the main meal and now we're moving on to cream and cake. I mean, they could have, Jesus, why did you make it awkward with hard teaching? But alas, that's, that's how it was. And the reality is when the, when the teaching got tough, the disciples got going. See you, bye-bye. It's too hard. It's too tough. 
It's too difficult. I was in America recently. I, Mira and I went to the supermarket towards the end of our stay and just wandering through the aisles there and I came, ended up in the alcohol uh, sort of aisles walking through and I noticed a famous American beer there. It was Bud Light. Bud Light. And it's like, and this is not a beer commercial, but it was like Bud Light. You know, it's, it's, it's the beer you can drink when it's not really beer. You know, it's sort of like, it's the, the, the light version. I, I, I do wonder if people are going after a Jesus light. You know, not the real thing. Just give me, hey, I, I, I love that you feed me. I love that you bless me. I love that you do all these things for, uh, 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 for, for, for me where, where you have a Christianity. I wonder if we've got, we, we're going for Christianity light where we have a Christianity. It's, it's sort of like the real thing, but it's not the real thing. Tap your neighbor and say, it's a hard teaching. <laughs> what if we're wanting a version of Jesus? Like, I, love, I love the miracles. I love that you bless me. I love that you, you, you feed me, but I don't want the full strength. What if that's what the disciples were thinking? Then I wonder about us today. What type of Jesus do you want? What type of Jesus are you going after? Christianity, light, not full uh, strength? A Christianity that's more about what God can do for me than what I can say, God, you have died for me and I want to give uh, my life to you. A, a Christianity that says, God, well, I need you to bless me where we, we treat God. And I've said it, sometimes we treat God like a lawyer. We get a problem. I need a lawyer. Get me out of this one again. How many have done that? Come on, we've all done that. Get me out of this problem again. I got myself into it. Now, God, you get me out of it. You're my lawyer. Christianity light. I was listening to a, going through emails and an email message came up and it, and it was a letter from uh, a preacher. And in it, there was a video clip, and it only lasted for a couple of seconds, and I was deleting, because I, you know, I end up getting so many emails, so there's a lot of stuff that just randomly comes, and so I was deleting, and I deleted it. But I caught a bit of a snippet of the video that started automatic playing, and it, it caught my attention. He, 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 the preacher basically said this, listen, he said, many people love Jesus the brand. Many people love Jesus the brand. But we need to love the person of Jesus, not the brand. See, the crowd was following him that day because of what he could do for them. The crowd was following him that day because of what he had done for them. The crowd was following because he was cool. He was popular at the time. I mean, you remember when he went into Jerusalem, they got the palm leaves and were waving, Hosanna, Hosanna, welcome, welcome. He was popular. They were following because he was cool, because he was popular. They were following brand Jesus. They knew the brand, but not the person of Jesus. Man, he's cool to follow him. Man, he did this thing with this kid's play lunch. Like, da-da. Man, the challenge is, why are you following Jesus? Who are you following? Are we following a, a, a brand, a Thing or do we know him? Do we know this 
Jesus was cool. I go, yeah, we've got cool lights. We've got this. Are, are you going after a brand or are you, do you know this Jesus? Because there will come times where, where hard stuff will happen, where, where, where maybe you want to do something or maybe you want to go somewhere. Maybe, maybe you're there and you, 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 you know, you're a guy and you see that girl, like, ooh, la, la. Oh, Lord. Is she the one? And you see that girl and the Lord says, no. I'm going anyway. Oh, that's hard, Jesus. That's hard. Friend, how do you respond to the hard teachings of Jesus? Tap your neighbor and say, he's preaching good today. Not sure if I like it, but he's preaching good today. (laughs) Maybe a little hard, but he's preaching good today. Crowd was following because he was cool because he was following. They're following brand Jesus, not the person of Jesus. But I want to tell you, Jesus is not a brand to be marketed. He's a king to be worshipped. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords, the everlasting God. He's the one who we are to lay our lives down for. But if we have a gospel that's more about us than him, if we have a gospel that's more about us than him, what happens? When we have a gospel that's more about what he can do for me, what happens? Matthew 13, we read it a few weeks ago, the parable of the sower. You know, the farmer sowed through the seeds and some of the seeds fell along the path, some along the, the rocky ground, the thorny Ground. Jesus explained it like this. He says, when anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, if you don't understand this, what I'm trying to say today, it says the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed that was thrown along the path. The seed falling on the rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they're shallow. Since they have no root, they last only a short time. Listen, when trouble and persecution comes, when, when, when trouble comes, when, and I want to tell you, trouble will come. Trouble will come. If you have a Christianity where you think everything's just going to go smooth and everything's going to work out and I'm going to have no problems, I don't know what Bible you're reading. It's not in my Bible. The Bible says you're destined for trouble as surely as sparks fly Upward, we, we serve a God who walks with us in the day of trouble, in the things and in the difficulties that we will face in life. You will have trouble. It is a fallacy to believe any other thing, that somehow you become a Christian and all oh, my problems just go away. That is a fairy tale. He walks with us through the valley of the shadow of death, that you would fear no evil, that His rod and His staff would comfort you and, and be with you through the pain. Oh, I'm preaching good today. Thank you. One on the rocky ground, he hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, last only for a short, when trouble comes or persecution, when they start picking on you at school, are you going to, are you going to church? <laughs> That's how they sound, isn't it? <laughs> 
They probably think they sound real dead. <laughs> you going to church. Oh, man, I can't follow it. It's too tough, too hard. You're not having nails driven through your hands. You're not having spikes driven through your feet. You're not having a sword or a pressed air in your side. In fact, Jesus says when that type of stuff happens, just know you're blessed. Jesus said, if they hated me, they're surely going to hate you. Oh, thank you. I claim that promise in Jesus' name. I claim it. Here's our thing. We, we want to be liked. We want people to like us. Like, 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 like. There's not enough likes on my Facebook. Like. That's shallow. Once persecution comes and trouble comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Oh, how many I have seen. Then the seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but listen, the worries, oh, the cares of this life choke. The deceitfulness of wealth choke them. Oh, I don't know. I don't know how everything's going to work out. I don't know how it's all going to get in, but it chokes you. Chokes the word, making it unfruitful. And Jesus said some hard stuff. Jesus said stuff like, you've got to love your enemies, not just love your friends. You've got to love those who don't like you. you. You got anybody that you don't like? Anybody? Come on, anyone admit it here? Are you sitting next to them? Don't worry. No, no. I mean, we've, oh, you, you might have people here. Jesus said, you're not only going to love those who love you, you're going to love those who don't like you. You're going to love those who think you're lame. You're going to love those who, 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 who get up your nose. Is that right? Yeah, I don't know if I can say <laughs> This time we've got to get him off the stage now. Jesus says some hard stuff. He said we had to forgive those who have hurt us, but they hurt me. You don't understand, Pastor, what they did to me. They, they hurt me. They said this and they, they did this. So I just don't know if I can forgive. I have a right. I have a right. We have no rights except the right to forgive. Because he forgave us. can hold nothing. You said, we've got to forgive those who hurt us. Oh, that's hard. They hurt me. To the rich man, he said, go sell everything and give it to the poor. To others, he said, we're going to love him more than our own family, more than our mom and dad. Jesus said some hard, hard stuff. And he wasn't just saying it for fun. He, he was like, I want you to live in a different way. I want you to live in a, in a different way than how other people live. I mean, everybody loves their friends. They say, well, what difference are you than anybody else? Everyone loves people who are nice to them. I want you, I'm calling you to be different. Jesus said some hard stuff. A dude, his father had died and he's like, Jesus, I'll, I'll follow you, but first... Let me bury my father. And Jesus said, said, sure, take your time. No, Jesus didn't say that. He said, let the dead bury the dead. I mean, that's kind of awkward. Let the dead bury the dead. You come and follow me. Oh, that's harsh, man. It's hard. What are you going to do with the hard teaching? Because those same calls are to us. 
Some of you are spending time, wasting your time on dead things that aren't going to bring anything forth from you. Anything that are going to help you. They're, they're, they're dead. But come, follow me. He spoke of heaven, but he also spoke of hell. He said he was the only way to God. You know, people say, oh, Christians are so narrow-minded, but saying Jesus is the only way. We didn't say it, Jesus said it. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father but by me. He spoke of a narrow gate and a, a narrow path, a narrow way, not a narrow life. He promised an abundant life, but he spoke of a narrow path, a narrow way. Are you narrow-minded? Yes, He's called me to that life. He called some sheep and others goats. Here's the funny thing. We all think we're sheep. But he even said to some, you prophesied in my name. You did miracles in my name. Depart from me because I never knew you. Do you know him today? Do you know him today? These are the hard things Jesus said. Matthew 16, 24, then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciples must deny, everybody say deny. It's even hard to say, isn't it? They must deny themselves, deny themselves. People don't like that word and take up their cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? What can anyone give in exchange for their soul? What do you do with the hard teachings of Jesus? Well, from this chapter, we can see the disciples in John chapter 6 had two reactions. To the hard teaching of Jesus, as we know, many turned away. No, they no longer follow. When that happened, I mean, Jesus... It's like, okay, they left. And it tells us he turned to his 12 disciples, those who were left. I mean, basically, everyone was gone. The 12 disciples were, were there. And the Bible says he turned to them and said, do you want to leave too? In John 6, verse 67, he said, do you want to leave too? Jesus asked the 12, Simon, Peter, he answered them, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. What was the difference between the two groups? Between the disciples who, who stayed and the disciples who left? Well, it's easy. The disciples who stayed knew Him. Not just about Him. They knew Him. They had walked with Him. They had ate with Him. They had spent time with Him. They knew Him not just as a brand, not just as a megastar or a very popular person. They knew Jesus the person, not Jesus the brand. That's why Peter said, Lord, You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe. We don't know just about you. We have come to believe and to know. Everybody say no. 
and to know that you are the Holy One of God, that you are the lifter of my head, that you are my salvation, that you are my Redeemer, that you are my Savior, that you are my Lord, that you are my King. We have come to know. We can't. We've got nowhere else to go. Only you have the words of eternal life. Your, your word is life to us. But to those who turned away and no longer followed Him, there's a difference. Well, they, they sought His hand rather than His face. They sought after His hand, what God could do for them. What, what, what could He do for them? And when he called them to step up into God's purpose, they choked, they, 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 they withered. They were like the seeds thrown uh, on the path to carry a cross. You want me to deny my, I mean, I, I just want to do whatever I want. No, I'm calling you to carry a cross. I'm calling you to deny yourself. I said, that's too hard. It says, from this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. They turned back and no longer followed him. I want you to notice the verse. It is John 6, 6, 6. It's interesting to me that on the, the verse that speaks of many disciples, turning back, no longer following. We have the mark of the devil's favorite number. I don't think that's a coincidence. I don't think that's just some random thing. I thought God thought about this and goes, this will be cool. John 6, 6, 6. Verse when they turned back, when they went back, when they gave up, when they said, It's too hard, I'm going to go back to whatever I was doing before. This is too, it bears the mark of the enemy. Maybe God's asking you to step up, maybe God's asking you to step up to the place. And there's a part of you that says, it's too hard. I can't do it. I want to tell you, my friend, make sure it's not a 666 moment. Make sure it's not a moment where the devil's whispering into your life. You can't do it. You're no good. God doesn't like you. You won't be able to do it. Give up. You should. You can't make it. Be careful of the voices you listen to. Because I want to tell you, that which would call you to turn away and to uh, go back, understand this. We are in a war. The Bible says we're in a battle. It says our struggle, our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against other people. It's not against that person who drives you mad. Our struggle is against principalities and powers, spiritual forces of evil. It tells us in Ephesians, evil in the heavenly realms. You've got to know that there is an enemy who will want nothing more than to take you out. He's come to rob, kill, and destroy. And if he can get you to focus on what's too hard and what's too tough, if he can get you to turn back, if you would listen to that voice. Whenever you hear those things, you remember nothing else about the sermon. Ask yourself, is that a 666 moment? Who's telling me? Who's really telling me to walk away? Who's really telling me to turn back?
So I know life can be hard. I know there can be things that are hard. Sometimes I don't always know what God is doing, but I always say this, and I've preached it before, but it's important because I think some people don't grab it or don't understand it, but we don't always know what God is doing. We don't always know why God is doing it. And sometimes we don't know the what and we don't know the why, but we do know the who. We know who it is that's doing it. And understand this, when we can understand the who, we don't have to worry about the what and the why because you've got to understand, although the, the, the teaching might be hard, what Jesus speaks to us can be hard at times. Know this, it might be hard, but when He gives us hard stuff, know this, it's not to hurt you, it's to help you. Come on, because we know who He is. We know that He loves us with an everlasting love. We know that He is for us. And if God is for us, who can be against us? Come on. drink Christianity light. Don't drink Jesus light. Be ready to step up to the plate. To even obey the hard teachings of Jesus. Because listen, you walk away here, here's the thing. No God, no peace. You have no God, no peace. But you know God know Him. You know Him. Like the 12 disciples knew Him. They're not just a brand, not how cool, not the flashing lights, not the thing, but you know Him. You will know peace in every situation. Every head bowed and every eye closed right across this auditorium. As we come to a close, I want to specifically pray just for people who need to receive Him for the first time. And then maybe people in here who need to do that today, you know you need to get right with God. You know that you're not right with God. As I made you aware, there is, a, there is an eternal destiny. God, Jesus speaks of a heaven and a hell. There's an eternal destiny. We need to make sure that we're right with God. And if you're here today and you know you're not right with God, I want to give this moment for you to get right with Him. But there may be others here. Maybe you've been coming to church for a while. Maybe you've been part of a church for a while. Maybe you've been coming to this church for a while, but you realize you've been doing Christianity light. You've been focusing on a God who's what He can do for me rather than how can I serve? How can I follow you with all my heart and soul, mind and strength? We use the word backsliding on to say I've, I, I've slipped a little bit back from where I should be. Revelation. I can't remember the verse. It's not my notes, but he just said, I know your works. But I hold this against you. He said, you've forsaken your first love. Forsaken your first love. And he calls it back to love him. Again, maybe you've been doing Christianity like life. Maybe you've been doing Jesus like this. It's time to say, you know what? I've, I've let my relationship with God slip. Did I want to get right with Him? That's you in a moment. I'm going to pray that prayer. That's just a prayer of commitment. If you're first time, you want to get right with God, you can do that. But again, if you've got a backslidden heart, you know, you know, man, I need to fully commit to this. 
that's you, wherever you are, would you put your hand up and say, that's me, Pastor. Would you include me in your prayer? You know you've got to get right with God. Thank you, thank you. Anyone else? Nice and high so I can say thank you, sir. Anyone else? Anyone else? Thank you. A little thank you over there on the other side. Anyone else? You know, if the hearts become a little cold, you need to get right with Him. Let's pray all together. Lord Jesus, come to you today. A sinner in need of a Savior. Today, I give my life to you afresh. Lord, help me to know you in a real way. Help me to know you afresh today. In Jesus' name.